As Walter Mitty awoke one morning from uneasy daydreams, he found himself transformed in his bed into an enormous podcast. Hey, all right. Welcome to the latest episode of Adam and Ben, New and Selected, podcast about the films of Ben Stiller and Adam Sandler. My name is Lucian, and I'm joined, as always, by Shane. Hello, Shane. Howdy. And today we're talking about the 2013 film directed by and starring Ben Stiller, um, and it's called The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. So Secret Life of Walter Mitty is like one of the more interesting films we're going to talk about on this show um, in the sense that it's probably like the most anticipation I ever had for a Ben Stiller film. I was super excited for this. I was like following its production. I was loved the trailer. I went to Dublin to attend the premiere of it, um, which is just a wild story. But um, it then kind of crushingly disappointed me. And over the years, I've been kind of fascinated by it. It's one of these weird movies that I always think about as like, uh, having a really specific energy, but not one that I particularly care for. But I have watched it two or three times because it does really interest me. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's a fun one to talk about today. So you saw this for the first time recently. I did. Well. And what were your initial thoughts on it? Uh, my first thought was kind of, who was this made for? Like, it's kind of, it's not a full-on kids movie. But also... Like the fact that you said Ben Siller directed this himself kind of shed some light on what it is. And it's kind of just a Ben Siller doing what he wants to do himself. Yes. Kind That's of project. And it's more just, oh, let me just do this kind of thing. Like it doesn't seem to have a specific targeted audience. Like it's not a full rom-com. It's not a complete action movie. It's not. Yeah. It probably doesn't fit on with kids. Like I think it, it's a the audience of this movie is one person and it's Ben Stiller. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like it doesn't have the it doesn't have the wackiness of like a duplex or something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's barely a comedy. I would describe it as like a very light touch dramedy, I guess. But it's sort of just a postcard movie. It's just a it's just a lot of pretty pictures. And I find it really interesting that it's set in the world of magazines because to me, watching this film is a pretty similar experience to flicking through an issue of National Geographic. It's like wow, there's some pretty cool stuff in the world, isn't there? And then you, yeah. you throw it back on the table and you kind of... You go into your dentist appointment, like... You go into your dentist appointment. And, like, it lingers in your memory a little bit, like, imagery, but that it's just imagery. It's not feeling. Yeah. Um, I think also there's a, there's an extent in terms of how this film depicts, like, a, a sad sap man who can't get a girlfriend, that it, it's sort of like Joker for people who listen to Coldplay. Um, it's sort of a story of empowerment of this boring, boring man who finds himself through uh, going to Iceland on holiday. Like, yeah, that's ba- and climbing the Himalayas. Like that's basically the plot of this. I mean, I think it's- like we're on we're on our second stellar film now, and I think both of them can be directly compared to Joker. Yes, I think so. I think that <laughs> so we'll have to we'll have to see does this trend continue. See if this trend continues. But I think that it's it's like kind of really shallow. I think that like if you consider that this is something that Ben Stiller um, directed, you know, he didn't write the script, but like it was a passion, yeah. passion project of his. Kind of makes him seem like a shallow person because if this is what you think that the the epitome of existence is, then I don't know if you're like super interesting because it's like, all right, like mountains look cool and like skateboarding is cool. But I also watched it and it kind of made me want to go outside. Like I was watching it and I was like, it's similar. And I said this to you, it was a kind of similar feeling to watching Nomadland where I was kind of like, I want to go out and explore the vistas of the world where people do not people that are untouched by human 
construction yeah. and development and just sort of like experience the earth in this primal way. But I also think that's like a really lame, that's a really lame thing to make a movie about, in my opinion. Um, I don't as much. I kind of think that's slightly cooler. Okay. Like, I feel like there is a more, there is, I find it a quite a comforting film to watch. Yeah, I definitely like, think it's I like, think there is a very, like, noticeable, like, drop in tension or whatever when he kind of leaves the city. And it does kind of calm, calm yeah. down. Like, I guess you're not being bullied by yeah. Adam Scott, is it? And, I can imagine that if I was having a panic attack, this is not a film that would particularly upset me to watch. Like, I think it would actually, yes, it's quite, it's so soft. Like there's yeah. no, there's just no, there's no real aggression or tension in it. Like it's just very, very kind of. Yeah. There's kind of no, there's no antagonist to it once Adam, like. Like Adam Scott. No, is, yeah, there is no antagonist to it. Like, yeah, not really. Like, like Adam Scott's just kind of, he's an asshole, but yeah, like, he's just a goofy corporate goon. Like yeah. he's not the main focus of the film at all. Like he's yeah, just like, there for. The kind of the the antagonist of the film is boredom and not living your life, loser. being a yeah. loser. Anyway, I'll we can outline the plot a little bit. So, um, most importantly, anyway, this this film is based on the um, short story by James Thurber's Secret Life of Walter Mitty, which mm-hmm. was written in 1939, and we both read this in secondary school. It's really weird. I, I've asked a couple of friends this week. It's in our textbook. It's not in our textbook. Was Wasn't it? I, I think no, it was in the, the English te- textbook think, we used. I think the teachers gave it to us printed off. Maybe. Because it's, because I've asked a bunch of people I know who went to school at the same time as us and none of, in other yeah. schools and none of them ever read this story. Really? I think this was a thing okay. in, in our school. So it's loosely based on the short story. It takes the name <laughs> from it. I remember reading that short story in school and thinking it would make a really good film. Um, and this is not the film that I was uh, thinking of, but anyway, Walter Mitty is, um, a guy who works at life magazine who like basically deals with photo negatives. He's a um, negative asset manager. Now life magazine. So the movie is basically about life magazine. It's like life magazine is like all these great photos of like the quintessence of life and American living. And this movie is about how sad it is that life magazine is going out of business. Shane, this movie was made in 2013. I would like you to guess in what year did Life Magazine stop publishing issues? Physical copies or just... Yes, weekly physical copies. It hasn't? 1972. (laughs) Okay. So Ben Stiller really hung on to this one. No, it it, it was weekly until 72 and then it disappeared and then it came back as a monthly thing that was like included as a newspaper supplement until 2000, but it wasn't a real magazine. It was just like a supplement in the Washington Post or something. Yeah. Uh, like, well, to be fair in the film, I think it's only a monthly magazine. Okay. Yeah. But it's like, a, because, but it's a yeah. real magazine though. Like, Oh yeah, I know. I know. I know. If you, if you realize that the weekly magazine that like stopped printing in 1972, it really does feel like, wow, Ben Stiller, the, the, what, who hurt you? Like life magazine mm. shutting down really left an impact. Like, you read it um, once as a kid on the way into a yeah. dentist appointment. Yeah. And he thought it was the most amazing thing ever. And he made a movie about it in like 2013. Yeah. So it's, yeah. And that's the thing with this film. It has this weird mix of modern media and period media because it has this obsession yeah. with life magazine. But the first scene of the film is him trying to poke Cheryl, his co worker on eHarmony. Yeah. So but a lot of the film as well is him going back and rediscovering all his stuff as a child. Yes. Yes, exactly. Like he, um, he goes, he's, he's moving house, his parents around, and he goes written through boxes and finds all his old stuff. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Journals and whatever. So, so he rings up, he rings up a guy from eHarmony uh, customer service who is, to me at least, instantly recognizable as Patton Oswalt. Yeah, no, I picked that up straight away. Yeah, who's um, the voice of Remy and Ratatouille and a, a delightful man. And he tries to help him, but he basically says, you don't have enough information on your page because you're really fucking boring. Yeah, so yeah. what Walter is like, boring. And then Walter basically goes into work and there's these guys who are coming in to like lay off a bunch of staff basically. And Adam Scott is the main one of them. And I think Adam Scott pretty good in this, I suppose, like pretty funny. Very striking beards. They look incredibly fake and they look terrible. They're so fake. But I think um, it is funny how Adam Scott and Catherine Hahn are like the, the comic relief in this when they play a married couple, obviously in the film Step Brothers and are uh, very funny together. And in this, they sort of like overlap a little bit in some scenes because Catherine Hahn plays his sister, Walter Mitty's mm-hmm. sister. But anyway, basically the plot of the movie is that um, the final issue of Life magazine is being printed. They don't have a photo for the cover. This famous photographer called Sean O'Connell has taken a cool photo, but he, he says that it's the quintessence of life and Walter has to track down the photo. And that's basically the plot of the film, um, yeah. which is like a stupid plot for a film to have, but I don't know. It gives Walter an excuse to discover the world and discover himself. So I don't I don't have any as much of an issue with the plot, but I think missing photo that you have to follow clues to find is kind of like I guess. I guess it's kind of in that like running around Europe after stuff like Yeah, I suppose. So he goes to he goes to Iceland for a while and then he kind of comes back to New York and then he goes to the Himalayas and then he comes back to yeah. New York again. And he only really goes to two places. Um I I don't know. Like I think that I think the movie's like yeah, I don't know. I think that like the Iceland stuff annoys me. I don't think Iceland is as interesting as everyone else seems to think it is. I think that like men with beards in pubs speaking in this like odd, unusual Nordic language when there's no one around isn't as funny as Hollywood seems to think, given its prevalence in not only this, but in the film Eurovision, the story of yeah. Fire Saga, which is like an entire film of jokes about how Iceland is like, has nobody in it. And oh, all the men are in pubs drinking, ooh, and karaoke. And I'm just like, this and the Eurovision movie have a very similar energy. And I find them both really irritating. I'm like, Iceland's yeah, yeah. not that exciting. And then he starts skateboarding down hills and stuff. And it's just like, and it's like an ad for, for, uh, for Nikon or something. It's like, it's like a camera commercial you'd see in the cinema. Um, I assume there's a stunt double for some of that, but it seems like it's actually him doing a little bit of the skateboarding. I think there is a stunt double because I was reading about the making of the movie. I'm pretty sure there is, but yeah, I think he probably did a lot of it. I mean, this is a really narcissistic film. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, so I assume he wants to show off the fact that <laughs> yeah. he skateboard. Like, like he, he wants to look like the coolest guy in the whole world in this. And yeah. he... I mean, I guess he succeeds. Like he does look pretty cool on the skateboard in his like red fucking sweater with his like stubble. I don't know. I think he looks yeah. pretty cool. I'm not sure Ben Stiller has ever looked cooler, to be honest. Uh, but anyway, yeah, my my take on this has kind of shifted since figuring out that Stiller did direct it himself. Yeah, yeah. That kind of it. Like I was like, is this narcissistic? And then I was like, no, probably not. <laughs> yeah, probably just like the way it is. But then it's like, oh, he meant this himself. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I'll talk a little bit about the like the, the the development of this film. So I watched the other I watched yesterday the 1940 whatever version starring mm-hmm. uh, Danny Kaye, 
1947 version starring Danny Kaye, which is a very literal adaptation of the short story. And the short story is kind of misogynistic in that it's entirely about a guy who hates his wife and she's nagging him all the time and he wants to escape and go to other worlds. So in the movie, Danny Kaye is basically spending a day with his wife and every five minutes his mind will drift and he will be a surgeon or he'll be a guy at a circus or a guy at a casino. And it's basically just a series of vignettes. Danny Kaye, yeah. if you haven't heard of him, was like a big actor in the 40s and 50s. I'm pretty confident in saying one of the most irritating leading men in the history of Hollywood. He is a very like prototype Robin Williams who is constantly doing irritating voices and is not that funny. But uh, I like Robin Williams a lot better. Danny Kaye, pretty, pretty annoying guy. Um, and he anyway, it, it plays Walter Mitty. And it doesn't really have a plot. It's just a lot of little vignettes. And then the movie mm-hmm. ends. Um, he does work at a magazine in it. Um, so there is that. Uh, comparison there's similarity there but um you know it's not very interesting so the story is anyway that that movie was directed by um it was produced by samuel goldwyn samuel goldwyn jr who's also a film producer wanted to do a remake as early as 1994 so in 1994 he said i'm going to make secret life of walter mitty and i'm going to make it with jim carrey so Disney wanted to make it with Jim Carrey, but Goldwyn sold the movie to New Line Cinema, uh, who had just made Dumb and Dumber and the Mask with Jim Carrey. So they bought it and they were like, right, we'll make this with Samuel Goldwyn, um, Jim Carrey, and then Ron Howard uh, will direct. And then Ron Howard said he didn't want to direct it anymore. So then they hired the guy who made the mask to direct it. And now we're up to 2000. Uh, they're going to they're gonna shoot it in 2000. And then there was a lawsuit about breach of contract. Now we're in 2002 and the movie goes back to Paramount Pictures. Uh, Steven Spielberg says he wants to direct it with Jim Carrey um, because him and Jim Carrey had previously considered working together on Meet the Parents. Did not know that. A movie we'll be covering soon on this podcast, but that fell apart. And Spielberg had also been interested in making a series of unfortunate events, but he didn't. He Anyway, so he was him and Jim Carrey were like, wanted to make a movie together. So Spielberg said in 2003 that he would direct uh, the movie for Paramount. Then they hired someone to write a script for us. Then Spielberg decided not to make it. He wanted to go and make War of the Worlds instead. Um, So now we're up to 2005 where they hire Mark Waters who made Mean Girls uh, to direct it with Jim Carrey. But Jim Carrey dropped out uh, because of scheduling conflicts and they cast Owen Wilson. Uh, so they said, right, we're going to start shooting it on Owen <laughs> on December 12, 2005 <laughs> with Owen Wilson. And then Owen Wilson dropped out in October due to creative differences. So um, mm. Scarlett Johansson had screen tested with Owen Wilson to play the female lead, but they never signed a deal with her. So they put the movie in turnaround. In May 2007, it was announced that Mike Myers would star in the title role. <laughs> and Jay Kogan was hired to write a new script that would be tailored for Myers. That fell apart. And in April 2010, and Sasha Baron Cohen was offered and accepted the lead role. Jesus. Stephen Conrad was hired to write the screenplay with Gore Verbinski, uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean okay. director, announced to direct in June 2010. That fell apart. And in April 2011, it was announced that Ben Stiller would star in the movie and uh, he would also direct the movie. And then it got made. So there you go. Hell, absolutely. I think, I think we can replace our Eddie Murphy segment with could any of the previously named <laughs> people have done this film instead? I mean, I think that, that all of those options sound terrible. Really? 
Oh, well, let's rank how bad they sound. Uh, okay, okay, so in my opinion, the worst one easily is Mike Myers. What, what, what even is that idea? Yeah. Mike Myers doesn't play every man. Mike Myers literally only plays cartoon people like yeah. Austin Powers, The Cat in the Hat, Wayne, Shrek. There's literally no world in which he should be playing a boring guy. Yeah, well, maybe like the script and the idea for the film was just the original short story and it would have been just kind of a wacky kind just of... Just a lot of wacky stuff, yeah, I guess. A wacky wife guy, like... yeah. And then Sasha Baron Cohen is a te- is also a really bad idea. I guess there was probably a school of thought that Sasha Baron Cohen was going to become the next Ben Stiller because he's this kind of like like skinny Jewish guy. But he he's, yeah. he's once again like he's an impersonator. He's a guy who does these like big cartoonish characters. I guess they yeah, they thought it was going to be a series of vignettes. And then Owen Wilson is like an okay idea. It's like the same he's, movie. Yeah, he's kind of too cool to be the normie guy. I yeah, the, I suppose. But like I he's. Think- his baseline is like what Ben Stiller is at the end of the film. Yes, that's true. Yes, like Owen Wilson's general vibe is skateboarding down a hill in Iceland. Yeah. But yeah. I do think he he's like the closest to what this movie turned out to be. And then... Um, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, that's like a different movie. Like that's a that's a Disney movie. Like that, you can't do it with Jim Carrey and it be in any way... Kind of sentimental. And, pretentious and sentimental. Yeah. Like Jim Carrey doesn't do pretentious films. Like he does, uh, you know, I don't know. I think those are all terrible ideas. I think that this is probably the best version of the secret life of Walter Mitty we're going to get. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to know. Anyway. Um, Worth the wait. One of the things about this film that I find the most difficult to stomach is the music, which is interesting because I also like the music, but I, I have mixed views. So the main thing is this: the score is done by Jose Gonzalez, who I really like. is a great singer songwriter. Mm-hmm. His music's like really like spooky. I really like it, and I think that all the score is like really good. However, the needle drops are absolutely horrendous. Particularly, <laughs> wait, is Bohemian Rhapsody in this? Or am I imagining? I think you're imagining that. It's in the trailer. It's in the trailer. Oh, okay. in, yes. The trailer, when he smashes through the window at the stars to save the child in his fantasy, Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. plays. No, the, the two needle drops in this movie that are so, so cringy to me are uh, Space Odyssey, performed by Kristen Wiig on the guitar while he is flying away in a helicopter. Yeah. And, and I hate to say it, Arcade Fire, Wake Up. Oh, you didn't like that. So cliche to use uh. it. I, by 2013, the amount number of ads and sports events and trailers that had used wake up was like in the twenties. Like this is yeah. such a boring cliche choice. I don't know. RTE still use it now. Or do still use it for ads? It's like the Operation Transformation credits music. Like. <laughs> yes, it is. No, neighbor, no, Neighborhood 3 is the Operation Transformation credits music. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. I think you're right. Yeah. That's not, that's not wake up. That's neighborhood. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. What did you think of the music overall? I picked up on the needle drops and I was like, oh, okay, just kind of hmm. whatever. Like I wasn't aware of the prevalence of wake up, I guess at the time. And I was like, ah, arcade fire kind of cool. Yeah. But otherwise like the score seemed kind of interesting. It wasn't like, it doesn't fit in with the, again, it's not like one of those, it's not a standard like kids movie score kind of thing. Like, yeah, it's not the David Newman duplex. Yeah. It's not the David Newman <laughs> kind of style, just like whatever. But I think if you're, making, some... if you're making a film about like exploring the world and discovering new places, you want something a little bit more profound. Like, Yeah, that's it. It's kind of just hmm. got more kind of subtle beeps and boops, I guess. Yeah, I like it. I was listening to some of it last night. I think it's quite nice. Um, yeah, and also... he kind of picked it up and at one point and it was like one stage he was just walking around his apartment or something or walking around something. And I thought it was quite nice. Yeah. 
Um, and there's a song by the Weather Station on the soundtrack. I don't, think okay. it's in the, I don't think it's in the movie, but it's on the Spotify playlist. It's a cover of Don't You Want Me Baby, but it's pretty good. Um, oh, he said the drunk guy sings that in the... Oh, right. Okay, okay. okay. Pope, remember. The album is... The soundtrack album is one of these like music inspired by The Secret Life of Walter Mitty type yeah. things. So I figure some of the songs weren't actually in the film. Okay. Uh, in terms of the supporting cast... Um, I mean, we'll do our wife guy segment now. So yeah. Kristen, Kristen Wiig is the love interest in this. I think, I guess the only time she's going to sh- pop up on this podcast, I'm trying to think pretty much. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm a really big Kristen Wiig fan. I think she's hilarious. Um, I think she's like one of the funniest women in Hollywood. And I think that this movie completely wastes her and she's miscast. Yeah. She's like, I kind of agree. She's like a weird person. She's a weird woman with a weird energy who plays like uh highly strong like comedy characters and in this film she plays like boring generic attractive co-worker um yeah like she's meant to be like super uninteresting because he kind of is and like she comes over and talks to him first they're kind of just a mutually bland couple like you could flip the movie and have it have her as the main character and it wouldn't change that much yeah you could have it be the secret life of cheryl and i don't think it would feel that different um again the space Saturday kind of that's her main scene yeah yeah and that's just i think she's i think like the character is interesting and i do kind of like the idea that the love interest in this movie is boring like i oh no i do as well it kind of has that punch drunk love kind of yeah it's like punch drunk ordinary yeah where it's like normal boring people fall in love and it's a weird it's yeah. it's difficult to and that's fine that's fine too and just that's fine too. from like yeah. the dating and the dating site and all that like yeah it's exactly just... it's an interesting character i'm trying to think of who would have been better for it i think she's too weird to play the character i guess like uh i don't know like anna kendrick <laughs> she was a bit older maybe like anna kendrick in the accountant is kind of a similar character vera farmiga yeah. maybe uh, i'm trying to yeah. think Someone who's just, yeah, Vera Farmiga and the judge kind of plays a character like this as well. Although she's got this like weird European accent. So she kind of is a little bit more exotic. I don't know. Just, or, oh, uh, you know who? Uh, welcome to Marwen star um, uh, uh, herself. Uh, no. How have I forgotten her name? I love this actress. She's in, uh, she's in Studio 60. Merritt Weaver. Oh. She's got, she's like this like round faced sort of like, TV version of Brie Larson or something. Okay. Um, and Welcome to Marwen, she plays like very, very, she has like the most American woman face you've ever seen. She's like every American white woman. I'll send you a photo of her piled into one face. I really like her. She's very charming. I think in in Welcome to Marwen, she plays like a store owner that is really nice to uh, the Steve Carell character and is kind of a boring woman that you get the charm of. And I think that that's, she's good at that kind of role. So yeah. I'd cast Merritt Weaver in this. It's kind of it's kind of a weird thing that like she also has a husband in this or something. Yes, she has like she's like, getting divorced from him, I suppose. Yeah, I'm not sure what the point of know. adding that element in really was. Just to make just to, it's just to give him this Joker arc of like being jealous and rejected. I don't think it's healthy. It kind of is. Yeah. yeah. So Kristen Wiig at this point in her career had obviously come off of Bridesmaids in 2011 being like one of the most successful comedies of all time. And she was basically, I would imagine, sent every script in the world. And And she chose, this is what she took. (laughs) Now, fun fact for you. uh, So this is how I'll tie this story in. The day I saw this movie in the cinema. So I basically got 
press screening invites as a teenager because of my blog, right? Yeah. So Paramount and uh, Fox were the two studios that sent me invites. So I remember one day randomly getting invites to an Anchorman 2 screening from Paramount and a Walter Mitty screening from Fox that were both happening in Dublin on the same day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, said to my parents, would one of you want to go up to Dublin for the day? And I can go to both of these screenings because they're on a different time. One is in the morning, one's in the evening. Could I go to both of these and I get to see both of these movies before they come out? And my dad was like, oh yeah, sure, we'll do that. And then we can go to see uh, Nebraska. The Alexander Payne movie was on as well. It wasn't on in Galway. So we could go to see that in the afternoon. So I came up to Dublin with my dad and I went to see three movies in one day. And uh, Anchorman 2 and this both starred Kristen Wiig. So I had a double Kristen Wiig cinema day uh, at one point of my life, which is uh, something I doubt I'll ever do again. But uh, that's a fun how do you rank those three films? How would I rank those those three films that I just mentioned? Uh, yeah. I would go uh, Nebraska, Midi, Anchorman Two, which I think is the reverse of what I would have said in 2013. Yeah, <laughs> I think that I've really come to hate Anchorman Two. <laughs> um, yeah, but like Kristen Wiig comes off Bridesmaids, and she does the most random stuff. Like she does Despicable Me Two, Anchorman Two, yeah. Her, The Secret Life. Everyone was in Her that year. The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. And then she's in it like the skeleton twins with with Bill Hader, which I do not care for. And then she's in like a bunch of random indie movies. Like, and then The Martian is kind of the first thing she's like in that's like serious, the first like Oscar-y thing she's in. Yeah. I don't know. She's like she makes terrible choices. She's she's so talented. Um, I don't know, it pays the bills anyway, but whatever. So yeah, and then the supporting cast also includes Adam Scott, who's pretty funny, as I said, Sean Penn, who is one of my least favorite actors, but is like, whatever, he's fine. He's kind of got this like pretentious asshole, famous artist energy that I think actually kind of works for this character. Not really yeah, sure. no, he seems that he kind of he like he's who he'd nearly intentionally cast as that character. Yeah, yeah. He's he's perfect for him. And then and yeah. then Shirley McLean, legendary actress, plays his mother, Walter's mother, and then Catherine Hahn, Patton Oswalt. And uh, randomly, uh, Conan O'Brien is in it because there's a fantasy where Walter is on Conan, which is like one of the weirdest things in this in this film. Uh, but anyway, uh, our next segment. There's a lot of characters in this, and a lot of them do nothing. A lot of them do nothing. There's a lot, and then there's a bunch of Icelandic guys whose names I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Um, but next segment is the class corner, which we don't have a lot to say this time, I think, because Walter is like not really on either end of the class spectrum, but sort of like a New York low-level media guy. I mean, he his apartment is, like, fine. Oh, his apartment is nice. It is nice? Yeah? I can't really remember. Yeah, spacious. Okay, so he's, hey, he's been in a job for 16 years in New York. Like, yeah, he's earning money. Okay. Yeah, so he doesn't he doesn't interact with pretty much anyone outside of that circle, so it's kind of... It's hard to know, yeah. There's no dynamics going on, like... Yeah, exactly. Where you need, where it's an issue. And then the Alex to Alex scale, I'm going to put... Uh, Walter on the Alex end of the scale and that is Alex yeah. the lion because I think this character is chill as hell he is so relaxed um, he uh, he never gets angry from what I can remember he's kind of just dazed and seems depressed for most of the film so mm-hmm. <laughs> there's not a lot of rage being exhibited and then would the movie work with Adam Sandler no hmm He'd be doing. We just compared it to Punch Drunk Love, though. We did, but Punch Drunk Love is kind of. He doesn't turn into this fantastic skateboarding yes. dude. I guess he doesn't. Yes, Punch Drunk Love is about a guy who like musters the courage to punch somebody rather than a guy who like 
discovers how to be interesting and explore the of the world. Space jumping, like in yeah. skydiving and stuff like it. I just think that this movie's so cheesy that Sandler's energy would like perforate it too much and it would stop yeah. working. I think you yeah, need yeah, someone yeah. who's got, cor- like Ben Stiller is a corny enough guy that it, it works with him. I think that Sandler's like too weird and high, high energy. I don't know. I don't know. This, these are the mysteries of this podcast that we're trying to figure out. Where, where do these guys' abilities add, begin and end? You know, like uh, who's yeah, yeah. to say? Who's to say? I think Stiller could do Punch Drunk Love, but I don't think Sandler could do Walter Mini. And I'm not sure why that is. <laughs> That's true. I'm very interested to see how much this, how much money this film made. So, because okay. it seems like it's primed for a flop. Oh, you know what? Let's do a box. A big... Let's do a box office game because there's actually you'll, you'll you'll know you'll know what was out. Yeah, um, 2013. In 2013, yeah, you'll know most of these. Okay, so give me one second. To, I wonder what the 1947 box office was. <laughs> it made twenty dollars. Um, okay, where's the uh, where is opening weekend? Okay, so it opened on December 27th, 2013, um, Christmas Day weekend. So um, this movie opened in seventh place. Nice. With $12 million for a total domestic gross of $25 million. However, it made 188 worldwide on a budget of 90. Really? Though it actually didn't plot that bad. Yeah. Worldwide, it did well. I feel like this would be big, popular. big, big Icelandic, uh, big Icelandic audience representation there. But yeah. you know where you know where I'd say this did pretty well in Ireland and in France. The French yeah. would love this, and the Irish would like this. I think it did well here. I guarantee you, it did. Uh, yeah, this it's a, it's kind of a film where like you'd see the poster and your dad would be like, ah, oh, Ben Stiller, let's exactly. take a kid to see that. Like my dad was thrilled to go to see this. Like I think that this yeah. is like a dad thing. So uh, box office of this weekend. Number one okay. is a big, stupid fantasy franchise that you have no interest in, but I have talked Star? about because I'm into it. Not Star Wars. Uh, this was, so there was, there was three of these movies and they came out Christmas, 2012, Christmas, 2013, Christmas, 2014. And this was the this isn't like the maze one or stuff. No, no, this is like, this is like top tier. No, no, bigger. Like this bigger. is like this is like one of the big franchises. Like Harry Potter was out that time. No, it was not Harry no. Potter. This is the other one. This the movie has a. One. This movie has the name of a fantasy. This movie, the the subtitle is uh, a dragon <laughs> name. <laughs> You don't even know this film exists. It's funny because this has like made so much money. Okay. The number of the it? film is The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. Oh, I thought so. I thought that was actually early 2000s. No, those were Lord of, the Ring. Lord, was... Lord, Lord of the Rings were early 2000s. Oh, okay. Okay. Number there, was three, th- there was three Lord three of the ho- Rings three Hobbit Hobbits, films. Three Hobbits and they all suck really bad. Okay. <laughs> number yeah, two. I was going to say it, but I thought that was obviously not. No. This is the best. At that stage. This is the best one, but it's it's the it, they're all bad. Okay, number okay. two, number two is the biggest animated movie of all time. Despicable Me. Nope. I think it's the uh, biggest. It's either the biggest. It might have been dethroned by Incredibles two, but I think it's still the biggest. I should absolutely know this. It's for kind of female oriented frozen frozen. Yeah. All right. Number three, we talked about five minutes ago. It's a sequel. And it's a comedy. Anchorman 2. Anchorman 2. 
Um, number four is an interesting one. Number four is an interesting one. I don't know if you've seen this. It's by a big Oscar director. It has a lot of big actors in it. Um, it's a period comedy that was nominated for best picture and no one's talked about it in seven years, but it was a big deal at the time because like all the big actors of the moment were in it. What period? It's set in the seventies. It has a kind of heist theme. Okay. And it has a good name. The, the name is really good. Good title. Hmm. Like, can you give me the director? Uh, or is that you, that one, I don't know. I would give it away. Like, uh, okay. I'll give you one actor who's in it. Uh, Jeremy Renner is in this film. 2013. And Robert De Niro is in this film. I'm John And Amy Adams is in this film. And Jennifer Lawrence is in this film. And Christian Bale is in this film. And the film is American Hustle. Yeah, I was about to say. That feels like fucking 2017 that came out. That's not seven, eight years <laughs> have you, old. Have you, have you seen American Hustle? I haven't. I don't think I, I like, I've barely seen it. I think I watched it when it came out on like a cam on my iPod. I can't remember anything about it. All yeah, right. No, it seems kind of number five. That, is, that came out four years ago. So stop. Stop. Number stop. five. Number five is like one of the most iconic films of the last 10 years. Um, people that I don't like will often cite it as their favorite film. Const- oh. Constantly, constantly referenced and quoted. 2013. Very popular with men. Wolf of Wall Street. Correct. Wolf of Wall Street. Oh yeah, I forgot that about that American Hustle. Uh, number number six. <laughs> number six is a movie that um, YouTuber Grace Randolph once cited as one of her favorite films. The Accountant. No, no. Uh, before fuck. that, she she says her three favorite films were The Dark Knight, Rear Window, and this. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tom Hanks is in it. Oh, the holocaust for a king or something. No, no, no. No, better than that. Um, this is the film Saving Mr. Banks. <laughs> it is. Grace Randolph's favorite film. And then uh, number seven is Secret Life of Walter Mitty. And then number eight is a, a big fantasy franchise that you, you named a few minutes ago. This is the second one. Hunger Games. Hunger Games, Catching Fire. Yeah. And is then- Saving Mr. Banks like similar to Walter Mitty? No, Saving Mr. Banks is about the author of Mary Poppins trying to come to an arrangement with Walt Disney to make Mary Poppins into a film. Oh, it's okay. just like a sort of Disney history. Um, interesting. I think, uh, I think for some reason back in 2013, I kind of associated them as like similar films just based purely on the name. Probably because I talked about them in the same conversations. Yeah. Something called Saving Mr. Banks sounds like just like a weird, yeah. like normal like you, guy running around you, trying to save something. You would have learned a lot about these movies from me in ty talking about them all the time probably um number 11 is grudge match which is a film that you probably have never heard of where robert you have robert and sylvester stallone boxing movie i've heard the name i wouldn't have been able to tell you about and then number 12 is tyler perry's amadea what's this called tyler perry's amadea christmas and then I got number 12 in America. <laughs> no, it was number. Are you th- looking the Irish list? No, this is the American list. It was number. No, oh. no, no, no. It got to number five in America. It peaked at number five. No, sorry. Mm. It didn't. It didn't peak. At I only discovered this was the thing last week. And then you told f- me that Tyler Perry was a billionaire. 
Number 14 is Justin Bieber's Believe, and then Philomena, Inside Lewin Davis, Nebraska, Her, Thor, The Dark World, The Book Thief, Gravity, 12 Years a Slave, Last Vegas, August, Osage County, Despicable Me 2, Captain Phillips. I think 2013 was a good year. Yeah. I think there's some the, good, like when you get down to the bottom of the list there, you're getting yeah. good stuff. Like the Oscar best picture nominees that year were like a really good batch. Like, I mean, the Wolf of Wall Street was probably the worst one there and it's not bad. Like her a, yeah. and that and Philomena were all kind of a bit, meh, but I like Philomena. Anyway, that's our secret life of Walter Mini episode. Thank you very much, everybody for joining. And we'll be back very soon discussing our next Sandler film. Um, apologies mm-hmm. for the inconsistent release schedule, but uh, what else would you expect from a podcast about two crazy guys hosted by two crazier guys? <laughs> um, so Yeah, it's uh, mostly my fault. Mostly Shane's fault. We'll be back yeah. soon enough, uh, hopefully in like two or three weeks. Anyway, um, uh, have a great time. Visit adamandben.live uh, to find out about the show and Adam and Ben Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah,